This podcast is brought to you by Sage Hill, a social impact organization. Our mission is to help people be who they're made to be so that they can do what they're made to do. Find more resources to live fully, love deeply, and lead well at sagehillresources.com. Thanks for listening to the Live Fully podcast from Sage Hill. This is Stephen James, the Executive Director, and I'm joined today by Jill Gullivorn, who is one of our therapists here um, and a good friend. And she has taught me a lot over the last few years about what it means to uh, live with wisdom and compassion and courage and resiliency. And she's taught me a little bit about the Enneagram, which uh, is not as hot as it was a few months ago, but in true sagehill fashion, we're slow to the party. So thanks for listening, and this is one of a three-part series that Jill and I have put together to help you better understand what is the Enneagram, how it can be useful for you, and what are its limitations in helping you be the best version of yourself. Hey, Jill. Hey, Stephen. Welcome back to the Thank Live Fully Podcast with Sage Hill. Awesome. <laughs> so, so, so cheesy. Um, so this is the last segment and kind of a, like three-part mini-series we're doing on the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. and so if someone's just picking it up here, like enjoy, but you might want to go back and kind of hear where we've been to. Our first one was kind of this picture from a high level, like what is the Enneagram kind of structurally, uh, how does it work and how does it help us think about the human problem, you mm -hmm. know, and the path to wholeness and integration. And our second, when we talked about what is it good for, right? Mm -hmm. And And you said very wisely, you said your teacher, Suzanne, said, uh, it's not good for anything by itself, but it's, it's really good with other things and adds mm -hmm. to things and, um, helps yep. with things that I think the best things in life are that way, right? Yep. Like that's, yeah. Uh, and it helps with compassion and self-compassion and understanding and all those things. And that's good. And it's not good for some things, mm -hmm. right? And so today I want us to spend a little bit of time talking about what it's not good for. Yep. Uh, and how you and your experience over the last several years, both as an Enneagram teacher, Enneagram student and teacher, and now as a practicing therapist, uh, how have you seen it misused and how mm -hmm. have you uh, seen it overused in some ways, maybe? Mm -hmm. So well, what's it not good for? Well, I think you said in the first episode, um, something like you're more than a number. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest way that I see this misused is that it becomes this reductionary um, tool or this reductionary like hammer <laughs> instead of this expansive, freeing, like compassionate thing. And so if it's about, if it ever gets about reducing yourself or someone else to this number, this narrow thing, I say, don't ever use it again. Don't, don't use it. Don't look. It's just not going to be helpful. It's going to become a tool of shame. <laughs> yeah. It is. You know, like in um, where Doug has to wear the cone of shame. It's like, <laughs> that is what the Enneagram will feel like. It will feel like a cone of shame hanging around your neck and it's no good. It's just not good. Okay. So that's, so, that's fun, my number So fundamentalism one. is bad, even in the yeah. Enneagram. And Even in the Enneagram, it's bad. It doesn't work. It just is shameful. You know, we talked about this, Brene Brown, in her 12 categories of shame, she's done all this research being labeled one of them. 
And so when people feel labeled by the Enneagram, they feel shame. And we know that, you know, no growth and transformation can happen in that sort of toxic shame place. So then it just becomes, it's just not helpful at all. So it's not a weapon. It's not a weapon to wield against yourself or anyone else. What do you think about us as people when we find something powerful, Mm -hmm. right? Like whether people do this with, uh, you know, Chip Dodd spiritual root system, eight feelings, they turn those into like weapons and not tools, right? They start telling other people and they start limiting every human experience. Like that's got to be categorized in these eight feelings, you know? And it's a, and what he created with that is so expansive and powerful and permission giving and freeing. Right. And I've seen people do the same thing with Enneagram. Right. Uh, So what do you think it is about our, our humanity or who we are as humans that when we find something powerful, we tend to uh, use it as a weapon. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can speak to my own experience. I wish I didn't relate to it, but I've done this. I've done it before. So I, I, it and I have empathy for it. It's like, for me, it's usually about fear and control. And mm-hmm. it's, it's like, uh, it's very, uh, it's very complicated to deal with the nuance of this and the nuance of people. There's risk, there's, um, you have to accept things, you have to accept yourself, you have to move forward with this like freedom and empathy and all this stuff. And, and if you can just reduce people, it feels like, okay, I can just control it. And then I can kind of write them off. You know, um, da- uh, David Dark says that if we can like reduce things and put a label on them, then we don't have to deal with them. And yeah. so I think there's some of that. Like if we can, if I can just say, Ugh, you're a three and I don't like threes, then I don't have to deal with you. I don't have to engage all these messy feelings. Um, mm. And I, it's about it's fear and control to me. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know I what think you think about that. I don't know. I, that's what I was asking you. Like that question, I was just, like literally just thinking of that. And yeah. as you're talking, I'm reflecting on it. I think it absolutely is about fear and about my need to not have fear. Yep. Right. And if I can control the world by labeling, it's like a taxonomy of things, right? If I can name everything and organize it, then I can control it. Uh, mm-hmm. and then therefore I'm not going to be surprised or hurt or abandoned or betrayed or yep. let down or humiliate, like nothing bad can ever happen to me again. Yeah. Um, and I think the most powerful things we, we find, uh, especially if they're deeply true spiritual things end up being used that way, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and some people never outgrow it. I think we all, if we find something new, we all kind of like jump into it maybe yeah. and, and yep. use it that way. Um, yeah but some people never outgrow that and stay in kind of a dogmatism. Yep. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't so know. I'm just thinking yeah. off the top of my head, but that's what came up for me is I know that usually for me, it's about, um, yeah, it keeps me from being curious. It keeps me from having to engage. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's a protection thing. Like, Oh, if I just label, I don't have to, yeah, I don't have to deal with it. This is probably about shame too, then. Yep. Right? Like, I don't want to, yeah, fear and shame. And most of our problems go back to like fear and shame and being alone, you know, yep. like feeling, feeling alone. So what, what else is it not good for? Um, 
I feel like it's really not good for excusing harmful behavior. Your others. Oh, okay. I, I'm an eight. That's what I do. I'm a seven. Of course, I'm an alcoholic. I like to drink. I like to have yeah. fun. It's okay. not an excuse. It's not yeah. an excuse. I've experienced it this way in my life before. Oh, I just do this. I'm a whatever. And that is so hurtful <laughs> and so not true. You know, um, you have choices and it's not a, um, there's health and unhealth in all these numbers. And so I don't think it's an excuse for anyone's inappropriate behavior. Yeah. Like impaired and redeemed or impaired and full living versions of, of something. Yeah. Absolutely. So, pe so people use it as an excuse. So I could yes. say I'm an asshole. I could say I'm just I'm an eight. Deal with it. Totally. Like, yeah. Have weak. you not been doing that? You got to do that. Some people really do that. Some people really like that. I think I found the Enneagram too late. I was already kind of out, outgrew that part. Darn it. Yep. Oh, yeah. I've experienced that. I've experienced people summing me up, you know, oh, you're yeah. just an eight. Yep. Right. You know, yep. um, and, and it's like, ouch. That, so painful. That really yeah. Oh my gosh. So painful. I've had that too. And it's just like, no, you don't, that, that doesn't even begin to touch the, the essence of a person, you know? So yeah. It doesn't define a person in their in their good. It also is an excuse for their harmful behavior. So that's another thing I would say it doesn't do is it's yeah, not none of my biggest regrets have anything to do with my Enneagram type. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I mean, if I was doing my character defect list, there would be some things that look like eight, but I talked about behaviors of yep. things I've done. Like that's got nothing to do with Maybe getting into some fights in high school and college, maybe. Yeah. But I think that was more about the pain. That was more about pain yeah. and and un, untutored grief and fear than it was about me being a challenger, right? Or yep. You know, sense of yep. justice. It was just about like someone's gonna get someone's gonna get hit. Me yep. and him, right? You know. Yeah. Uh, so that's good. That's helpful. Oh wow! I just got a new insight. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. I got those so enlightened right now this is good i don't even think i said anything that was related to what you said but i'm so glad that it led you there <laughs> that's how this stuff works it's like being in therapy like yep. you go back and quote your therapist you said this it was so helpful it's like, what did i say you're I thinking i never said that i know isn't that crazy it's crazy it's wonderful it's so wonderful it's so humbling yeah it is humbling uh, yeah uh so it's it's what's it, what's it else is it not good for so it's not good for excuse making it's not good for controlling people or controlling life yeah is there anything else you can think of it's not good for yeah i don't think it's helpful in dealing with any kind of pathology right yeah. um it's not there are just things that are like the enneagram only goes so far um yeah. i will never forget this i was in i was in my Enneagram training in my apprentice group and it was so wonderful. We got so close because there were about three of every number and we met together for three years. And these people are incredible people. I mean, mm. people from all walks of life, from education to, um, you know, chaplains to like people who are retired, just like amazing. And um, this woman was asking this really deep question that had to do with family systems and dynamics in her family and a lot of trauma and dysfunction. And Suzanne in her wisdom just said, just stopped and was like, 
I just don't think the Enneagram really has anything to say about any of this. Oh, it's so wise. She's like, I can't I think wait this, to meet her one day. Yeah. She's just like, this is where the Enneagram can't go. This is, this is family systems. This is trauma. This is therapy. This is not, and there's no Enneagram answer for what you're asking me. So it doesn't, it's not an answer for your trauma. It's not an answer for pathology or, you know, sometimes people will see a, a person who appears to have pathology in public and they're like, what's their Enneagram number? And I'm like, oh, that doesn't have any, that has no place here. Yeah. You know, it's just not helpful. Yeah. Yeah. That's super helpful to know because mm -hmm. I could even I imagine your friend in that workshop thinking, Maybe I'm just not getting this. Maybe yeah. I should just try harder in this area on the Enneagram because it's going to yeah. fix my trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe if I just knew what number my dad was or, um, you know, maybe if I knew what number this person was that really hurt me, um, I would understand and then I would be safe or whatever. And it's like, mm, no, mm. it just doesn't. Um, it's not usually an answer for, for that. Mm. And typically when someone tells me, oh, there's a number that I really can't get along with. I'm kind of like, no, that's not true. Um, there's, there's a number, somebody probably really hurt you or you have some trauma with someone who was this number and now you're seeing everything through that lens. Um, Cause I, I just think we can, we can be with, with any, anyone. I have friends that are all the numbers and I have people that have really hurt me <laughs> that are similar numbers of people that I love. And that just, so the Enneagram is just not helpful there. If that makes yeah. sense. That makes total sense to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, so as we're kind of like coming to the end, like what have we not said in like the, our three conversations that you wish we would have said? Hmm. Um, I think I will say like this, it's been so helpful for me. Yeah. This really has been such a helpful spiritual transformation tool for me. And if it feels like, if your interest is peaked, if you're listening and you're kind of like, oh, I want to learn more about this or what is this? And um, I would encourage you to go to Suzanne Stabile's website, um, which we mentioned last time is Life in the Trinity Ministry, or you can just Google Suzanne Stabile. You can look at her podcast or Ian Cron's podcast. There's tons of them out there and just kind of dive in and um, know it's a journey. Like you don't have to, it's not a the the process of even figuring out what your number is is as important as getting to your number like mm -hmm. the journey is super important and even kind of ruling things out and going oh that's not me or that that doesn't sound like me or whatever that's that's part of it it's also really important and that's not wasted and it, it can be slow and that's okay and you can change your mind and that's okay um, it took me a while to figure out what my number was so it's a journey you can you can go at your own pace. You can ease into it. Um, you can you can go deep in the Enneagram, or you can just learn a little bit. But I think it's really really helpful. I'll tell you, your gentleness with it and humility in it certainly has opened me up to learn more from it. Um, so uh, yeah, I think. Well, if I can thank looking... Suzanne for that. She's she's well, a really good teacher, and and I've learned yeah. from I've learned that from her. Yeah. Which is good advice if we're looking for any wisdom in our life, right? Like if the person doesn't approach it with humility and grace and uh, 
their own story, yeah. uh, they're probably not a helpful teacher. Yeah. Um, though they may have a lot of good answers. Yeah. Right. They may have. I'm, yeah. I'm glad I came to it later in my life. I don't know that I would have, I don't know what I would have done with it had I really come to this, like in my twenties or something, I had to go through a lot to get to yeah. the place where it, it, it hit me in that spot, you know? Well, it's probably, I mean, there's things probably we both learned in our twenties that we could re all totally value again, relearning. Twenties are awesome. I wish I could do my twenties <laughs> forever. Like, <laughs> oh, I so do not. I uh, like my forties. Oh, I, I, I like who I am better at a 40, but the energy I had in my 20s, right? Mm -hmm. The uh, indomitable spirit. Now, the self-doubt, yeah. toxic shame, and hiding, yeah. and double life, like all that stuff is insane. Right. But, uh, <laughs> but I could go, I could just say, I think I'm going to start running again and go run six miles. Like, right. that wasn't a problem. Yes. Like, yeah, I'm never going to run a mile again in my life. That's torture. That's hell. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, I hear you. I, yeah, I thank you for your your humbleness in it. Um, so it's good. Anything else we need to know? Like, so it's good. It's helpful if you go in deep or go in a little. Like, it's a good thing. Get wise yeah. teaching around it. Anything yeah. else that would be helpful? Nothing's coming. Nothing's coming to my head. Can you think of anything, Stephen? That I'm uh -uh. That I'm missing? No, I just. I think I think you've done a great job in our three conversations giving people a framework to better understand and better approach this, as you called it, this wisdom tool mm -hmm. um, and, and how they can grow self-compassion and other-centered compassion by kind of learning that, that I love that we said in our second conversation that limitations actually are as important as our gifts yep. and, def and defining us and even like saying what's great about us, right? That they're yes. all the same thing. And so, yeah, it's, I think it's, I think it's a helpful tool. I, I think it's, uh, I'm, as we're talking and for me, you know, I'm very aware of how complementary the spiritual root system and the Enneagram are and kind of this wisdom path, you know, it's crazy. That's a whole nother yeah. podcast that we can do. Cause I've been thinking about that a lot as I've been working at Sage Hill is like, okay, how do these things integrate? Yeah. And it, it so does. It yeah. really does. Like when you're talking about the centers of intelligence that are repressed and, you know, it's, it's just really, really interesting and how feeling is, is a, um, so a part of being human. And, well, I, and for me, as a, it. as a person who represses feelings, right. As an Enneagram type eight, yeah. um, like the road, like learning about my feelings and being willing to be vulnerable and tolerate my feelings, uh, like opened a door for me in my own growth and my relational healing and my parenting in ways that if yes. I'd have just uh, been more challenging, wouldn't have. Right. Yes. You know, yes. and my sensitivity, I think is my greatest gift now. Like I just, I'm such a sensitive person and uh, I think I rebelled against my sensitivity or denied it lived in denial for so long. Yep. Right. So I can see how they fit really well together. And, uh, and you know, that I also go ahead. Oh, I was going to say that center of intelligence that is repressed, like what you're talking about, like the Enneagram teaching is that when we bring that one up, it is often the most purest, it's, it's the purest and the most beautiful and important work we do in the world is often related to the center of intelligence that we bring up. Yeah. And that's so like what a, your story. Like an Enneagram four, once they realize feelings are just feelings and not the center of the world. 
And they, it's like, when fours start doing you, I've seen it. I've seen fours yeah. that take all that beautiful thinking and feeling and then start doing in the world. Yeah. And it is a remarkable thing to see. Mm, that's awesome. Well, Jill, thank you so much. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Thanks, Stephen. Yeah. This podcast is brought to you by Sage Hill, a social impact organization. Our mission is to help people be who they're made to be so that they can do what they're made to do. Find more resources to live fully, love deeply, and lead well at sagehillresources.com.